So, Father, we come to you tonight in Jesus' name, and, and Lord, we do pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that, Lord, we would not just be passive attenders, but, Lord, we'd be active listeners. And so since I was praying with Eric tonight, Lord, I just pray that Eric could be able to pay attention and be able to get everything that you have for him tonight. We were praying together, so I'm praying for you. And, uh, and uh, Lord, the same thing would be true in my own life. Lord, I don't want to be guilty of just seeing what your word says, but not seeing the reality of it in my life. And so, Lord, would you seal up these truths in my own heart? And then, um, Lord, would you use this to mature and edify us as a church body? Lord, we want to we grow from faith to faith and from strength to strength. And uh, this comes through you conforming us, through you seeing us matured and uh, fashioned into the image of Christ. And so, Lord, help us to receive the mind of Christ tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. This forms our 12th point for study in this chapter. If you say, what about points one through 11? Um, you were either here and you got those, or you can go online and um, mbtkc.org, and you can check out the Proverbs series and, and catch up with us. Verse 30 is our 12th point. It talks about fruit bearing. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Man, and that's an amazing statement in the Bible. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. How, how much do you know about the tree of life? Uh, the tree of life is such a big deal that back in Genesis chapter three, after the fall of humanity, you got angels, right? Cherubim with flaming sword, barring the way to the tree of life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. And so this is in contrast to what we just saw in verse 29, where we saw a foolish man that only troubles his family, so in verse 29, here's someone that's destroying his family, but in verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and they're winning souls. So it's life-giving instead of life-destroying. Okay, well what is, in terms of a New Testament dispensation, what does the fruit of the righteous, what does that look like? What's the fruit that should be in the life of the believer? Well, that ought to be a no-brainer cross-reference, right? Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Uh, that sounded pretty close. <laughs> okay, what does fruit look like in the life of the believer? Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So that's what ought to be lived out in the life of the believer. And it should all, you know, what we're gonna see here is all of that being lived out in the life of the believer will fall out to fruit-bearing, to soul-winning, Okay. If you're manifesting, if you're living in the fruit of the Spirit, if the fruit of the Spirit is coming out of your life, that will end up bearing more fruit, okay? That's what happens. A tree bears fruit, and that just keeps bearing fruit, okay? More fruit is born through it. So you're either gonna, you're either gonna, you're either gonna manifest the fruit of the Spirit, or, right, it's either Proverbs 11, verse 30, or it's Proverbs 11, verse 29. Is it falling out to life, to fruit bearing, or is it destruction? And that's what you see here in Galatians 5.24. You're supposed to walk in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit should be manifest. And so what that means then, verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh 
with the affection and lust. You die to the lifestyle that produced verse 29, Proverbs 11, 29. You don't trouble your house because the, 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 the affections and the lust that cause the conflict that destroys a house. No, you're crucifying the will of the flesh. And you see this couplet repeated in Galatians 5 and verses 25 and 26. Again, verse 25, look at it with me. The fruit of the Spirit is to be manifest. So if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let, let, when people look at us, they ought to be talking about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's, what they, that, that, that's how we should be described. So we fruit bear, and with that, die to the will of the flesh. Again, verse 26, and let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another, because that's what will lead you directly to Proverbs 11, verse 29, and you end up troubling the people that God has in your life. It doesn't tend to death, it tends to destruction. So the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. It should propagate that. Okay, so you see what Paul told the church at Galatia, he said the same thing to the church at Ephesus. You see the same principle in Ephesians 5, 9 through 11. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. There it is again. The fruit of the Spirit being manifest in the life of the believer, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. We'll see this in a moment in Psalms 1, but basically what it looks like is the fruit of the Spirit is manifest as we are in the Word of God, submitting to, following, and living, right? We're walking in the Spirit as we walk in the Word. So, Ephesians 5, 9, and 10, that ties right back to Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And again, you have, to die to the, you have to die to the will of the flesh or otherwise you're gonna end up in Proverbs 11, 29. So what, we have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Why, because we don't wanna tear down the household of God. We don't wanna tear down the people that God has in our life. We don't wanna be an engine of their destruction. We wanna be an engine of their edification. So God has us in each other's lives to bear fruit and that should be life-giving. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Okay, so how does this fruit effectively produce in the life of the believer? The fruit of the Spirit, how is it manifest? Okay, so if you've been with us any time in Discipleship Chapter One, you know that the will of God in the life of the believer is very clear. God's will for our life is that we not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, right? Instead, we wanna be filled with the Spirit, and if we're filled in the Spirit in Ephesians chapter five, what comes out of our life? Well, we're speaking and singing to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're singing and making melody. In other words, the Word of God melodiously comes out of our life. Um, there's a sense in which you may not be carrying the tune or doing the dance, but you're like the, so you're like the sound of music, man. That's how you go through life. The church is alive with the sound of the word of God. Okay, so that's what comes out of your life. In Colossians chapter three, that is where Paul is saying the exact same thing that he said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter five. That's what he's saying to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter three, verse 17, 16 and 17. And instead of saying be filled with the spirit so that the word of God comes out of your life, he's saying let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
And then what will that look like? Will it look the same thing? It'll look exactly the same way as the person who is being filled with the Spirit. And so the connection there is, is as you get full of the Word of God, as the Word of Christ dwells in you richly, that's putting handles all over your life. Now the Holy Spirit has something to walk you in, right? The Holy Spirit has something now to guide your life. That's to walk in the word, right? To grow in the word is how we learn to walk in the spirit. And you see that beautifully in Psalm chapter one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 29, right? That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, or sitteth, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. No, instead, he's gonna He's gonna bear fruit. It's gonna be a tree of life. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Do you see that? Is your life fruitful? When you really, I mean, just in the quietness of your heart, as you examine your life, is your fruit, is, the, is, is what's coming out of your light, the fruit of your life, is that a tree of life? Do you see it in you? Do you see it in the lives of other people? Don't forget how Proverbs 11 verse 30 ends, and he that winneth souls is wise. That fruit ought to see other people come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In terms of the net effect of your life, is it helping to build God's kingdom, or is it destroying your home? Because I want to just tell you, you may think you're on the bubble on that thing, but I'm telling you, you're trending one direction or the other. Is the word of Christ dwelling in you richly? Are you meditating in his law? If so, you're like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. So it's not like you know every day of your life you're just gonna see people come into Christ, but you ought to have cycles and seasons of that. Right, it ought to be tending that direction. You say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, are you helping us as a church to win souls and make disciples? In other words, is it contributing to that fruit that's producing life, or is your life really just getting in the way of other people and their relationship with the Lord? His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Here's the Proverbs eleven twenty nine 29 crowd again. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So there it is, okay? The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So brothers and sisters, it's critical that we manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And again, I mentioned this the other day. I'll just say it again. If you're in a dry place, and you wanna get a good drink, maybe to prime the pump uh, of the water of the word. If you're stuck, man, just jump in the Gospel of John. Hang out with Jesus in the Gospel of John and uh, quench that dryness. So the proof, right, if that fruit is evident, it's gonna fall out. In one way or another, you're gonna be able to see how your life is helping to see souls saved. The fruitful win souls, and that's your first blank. When Peter realized who the Lord Jesus Christ really was, okay, uh, it blew his mind. And he said to the Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, he was blown away. 
And listen to what Jesus says to Simon Peter. Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So Jesus is gonna make his disciples fishers of men. And the Bible says when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Okay, so this is wisdom on display. I wanna make sure that my life falls out into seeing souls saved, disciples made, and the kingdom of God expanded. So Peter is all in. Now, how does he do that? Okay, remember, wisdom is a tree of life. Do you remember that? We saw that in Proverbs chapter 13, or chapter three, verse 18. Talking about wisdom, that's the context there. And what is wisdom? She is a tree of life to them that lay hold on her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. Okay, here in Proverbs 11.30, we see that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So what do we make of this connection? If wisdom is a tree of life, that's what Proverbs 3.18 says. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. So here's Peter saying, okay, you're gonna make me fisher of men. What does he do? He forsakes everything and he's pursuing a relationship with the living word of God. Do you see that picture? That's what Peter's doing, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, right? So now Peter is forsaking everything and pursuing a relationship with the living word of God. What's he doing? He's laying hold on the wisdom of God and what the wisdom of God is saying to him is, you're gonna catch men. God's wisdom should be what we live. From henceforth, thou shalt catch men. Let me give you one more connection that you gotta check out. Proverbs 15.4 says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Okay, what is a tree of life? Is it wisdom? Is it the fruit of the righteous? A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And again, you'll see that same couplet that we're seeing here in 29 verse 11, 29 verses 11, 30. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life versus dying to the perverseness therein, right? There's perverseness in the tongue, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. So a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Well, how does that work? See, the wisdom of God must pour out of our mouths, right? That is the fruit of righteousness as a tree of life. That's how it's manifest. As you, as your, and this is how Jesus said it in John 15, you know, we abide in the vine, we abide in him, and then he in us, and then we bear much fruit the natural byproduct of a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is who he is and what he said is gonna come out of our life. So the fruit of the Spirit is manifest. How do people describe us? As engines of destruction or edification? Do they describe us by love, joy, peace, or is it troubling of the house? So the life of Christ is coming out of us, but also who he is and what he said to us in his word, that's coming out of our mouth, okay? And it's like that. Uh, what's in you is what will come out of you. I remember whenever I was a kid, um, you know, two missionary ladies taught me the word of God. They taught me the Bible studies and what that meant, how I was supposed to live it in my life. They didn't go deep with me doctrinally, but they did lead me to the place where I was ready to hear the gospel. Um, the last of those two ladies went home to be with the Lord this week. Uh, Miss Virginia passed away at uh, the beginning of this week, so I'll have to get down there for the funeral on Thursday, but. Um, 
you could see Jesus in those women. I, Miss Marjorie did chew me out one time, and I don't remember what it was. I don't remember why, but she let me have it, let me know I was being a punk, and, and I don't remember what it was. It, so there's that, and I, so I obviously deserved it, but um, man, the fruit of the Spirit was in the lives of those ladies, you know, and, and uh, they just, I, I cannot come up with a single conversation that wasn't saturated in a love for Jesus and the word of Christ. I can't, I can't think of one. And I didn't know the Bible doctrinally under their ministry. I didn't really get a good handle on, on a good doctrine, but man, I got, a, I got a handle on what it meant to know Christ. And as I came up, uh, you know, at the beginning, just starting Bible school at, at KCBT, and you know, there was always this fear of, you know, I didn't want, I never, it wasn't a place where I ever wanted to totally waste my life. I knew starting out, I didn't want to be a pastor or a missionary. Uh, I wanted to make some good cash with my life, and then out of that blessing, out of that overflow, I would tip the Lord in supporting youth ministry or something somewhere because uh, kids need a really good pool to swim in or something like that, but, but uh, I knew I wanted to be rich. And um, because I, 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 I didn't know the Bible well enough and I could never picture myself as being a, 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 a teacher or a pastor or anything like that. I knew the gospel and I'd led some people to Christ, um, but, you know, and I just figured that would be the case for the rest of my life is here or there. I'd get the privilege of leading somebody to Christ, but... You know, I'm a, I'm a low-level guy, I don't know a lot, and weird thing, man, as I begin to study my Bible, it's just so awesome, and it's so mind-blowing, and there's so much there. I mean, it is so, it, the, the, the truth is so much more fascinating than any fictional account. This is the single most amazing document in the world, and what, what happened was I couldn't shut up about it. I mean, anybody that would listen about what was in there, I had to tell them, because it was just so stinking awesome. I could not shut up about the Bible. What's in you is what will come out of you. Do you see that principle? If the Bible, if the word of Christ isn't coming off your tongue into the ears of people, is it in there? And maybe you're, maybe you're like me times 10. You're a person of stumbling lips. You're not eloquent or whatever. Um, your loves will be known. There's no hiding it. And if you've got a growing relationship with Jesus, your mouth will be able to speak of those things. That's the question then, are you growing? Are you learning the word of God? Because if you do know something, you're gonna be able to say something. And this isn't like any other body of information. When you start knowing God through his word, you'll have to tell somebody, right? The tongue. The Bible says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. So God's wisdom has to come out of our life. That's the fruit of the righteous. I want you to notice something else, the way verse 30 ends. Soul winning is rich business. Mark 8, 36 says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So that kind of gives you the, the idea. Uh, I saw this posted a few times this week. You know, the value of something is shown by the price paid. And uh, God shed his blood to buy me back from my sin. 
my soul's worth a lot. I mean, if you're gonna be objective, you find out it's worth everything. It's far more important than the planet we live on, and that's not the point of Mark 38, but that's something you can see, that's an insight you can get from it. In John 4, verse 36, you see it again, he that receiveth wages, or he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. You may not even be the one that led him in the sinner's prayer, but man, you gave the gospel and the word of God took root in someone's heart. You receive wages. It's profitable. It's rich business. So you use what God has blessed you with. If you're a believer, you have the fruit of the Spirit, right? That is in your life. The question is, is it being manifest? Are you learning to access it through a growing relationship in the Word? So what God has blessed you with, that's falling out to the winning of souls. Again, we saw it in Mark's gospel in Luke 5. Jesus tells Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So tactically, what does that look like in the life of the believer? How do we roll in our wholesome tongue, speaking the wisdom of God so that the fruit of our righteous life is a tree of life, okay? What does that look like tactically? Well if you're gonna be in the business of seeing lost people reconciled to God and learning what it means to be a disciple of Christ, your roadmap for that, the way you roll, your tactical approach is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. And we should have that for you there in your notes. Paul's very clear, I'm free from all men. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. So I'm serving you not just because that's a good thing to do, but I'm actually trying to win you, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. I'm not gonna argue with them about religious rights. I'm gonna, if they're, man, if they're observing, if they're observing a feast, I'm gonna just jump right in there with them. I'm gonna observe the feast with them and I'm gonna trust the Lord to, use, to show how that feast points to Jesus. So to the Jew, I became as a Jew. Paul has, he, he's already surpassed that. Yet physically, in terms of his heritage, he's a Jew, right? But in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, but one new man. Uh, who you are in the flesh, that's not really who you are anymore. Now, that's, that doesn't mean you can't relate. And so Paul says, I'm gonna relate where I can. Uh, to them that are without, the law is without, because he's been, he's been made free from the law. So why is he gonna impose his heritage, his cultural, his religious, his, his genealogical heritage on those who don't understand a Jewish mindset to save their life? Why waste the time? So to them that are without the law, as without the law. Not being without law to God. I'm not gonna join them in debauchery Okay, I'm not gonna join in pursuing wickedness, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. And so he keeps on explaining, to the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. In other words, Paul gets exactly what Paul was telling Peter. I'm in it to catch souls. Christ says, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. When you go fishing, you don't yell and scream at the fish to get him to jump in the boat. 
you don't beat the water to get them to bite the bait. What are you doing? You're trying to produce an environment that allows them to see something that they want that they're gonna lay hold on. Isn't that how fishing works? You want them to bite on what you're offering. Well, you're not gonna do that if you're yelling and screaming at the fish. You're not gonna do that if you're beating the water. You're not gonna do that. You, you cannot force a fish. I mean, I suppose you could if you caught them like leaping through the water and you threw the hook right in their mouth, but nobody's that good, okay? You can't force a fish to take your bait. You have to be winsome, right? You have to meet somebody where they're at. You have to meet them in terms of where they're at in their mindset. And then you have to woo them. You have to win them. We have to be winsome. And what are you doing? You're not lying to try to trick them into receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's different in that sense. But they need to be able to see that what you have is what they want. So Paul says, I'm meeting people where they're at. I am all things to all men, that by all means I might, right, I might by all means save some. Look at verse 23, he says, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be made, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know you not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run, run that ye may obtain. The guy that says, I was, I was out there on the street corner every week just yelling and screaming at them sinners, trying to get them to see Jesus. And, and again, you know, actually God uses that guy. Um, but I, let's just give you the hypothetical. I've been yelling at people all my life, telling them they're morons for not believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what? That's probably your fault, not the moron's fault. Um, pa- follow Paul in the school of evangelism. This is why, again, I'm all for confrontational evangelism. We're gonna support that at MBT until Jesus comes back, okay? People get saved through confrontational evangelism. I think, what, in two weeks, we've got a group going out uh, on February 6th, is that right, Lon? Man, praise the Lord. Um, more of that, more gr- groups. The more of that that we do, the, the, the better. That's a wonderful thing. Um, but let me just tell you, Pastor Shelby nailed it 30 years ago, came out with a statement, ministry runs on the rails of relationship. Let's invite the lost to get in the Bible with us. Let's build relationships with them through Bible study. And so, Paul's, let's use all means, right, that by all means we might save some. So we're running that we might obtain. We're fighting to win, not to beat the air. And then look at what he says, verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let me talk about an application for this in 2021. Uh, If it's in a box at the grocery store, it's trying to kill you, okay? That's the typical rule of thumb. If it's a processed food, right, if 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 they've already done the work for you and all you gotta do is throw some water on it and stick it in the microwave, that is designed to give you fuel, but it's gonna kill, it's like, aiming you to type two diabetes. You get that? That's what it's, that's what it's tending toward. And I'm not, I, there's box food in my house, okay? Uh, I, you know, I got, a little, I got a little jelly in the belly. Okay, so that's what, I, I, I'm just one hypocrite to another. You wanna be careful. And if you're prone to gluttony, stick the knife to your throat, okay? If you're prone to, it's not the end of the world if our stomach is growling. Hello, somebody. You can say no. Okay, so 
if you're someone who can't say no to anything that says hostess on the wrapper, okay, you just, I'm telling you, your, your capacity to preach the gospel is gonna be shortened by 20 years, stereotypically. Do you see that? Keep under your body. Bring it into subjection. So that would just be one tactical thing. Let's talk about it, let's just take another track. I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. You know, your body doesn't wanna preach the gospel, does it? It doesn't wanna build, building relationships with the lost. Oh, that's the worst. They don't think like you, they don't, you know what, it's also the best. <laughs> it's, 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 it's also the best. Um, I, uh, when God put me in the life of Frank Spiza, I thought, man, this guy's got a thousand and one questions. I'm gonna die just answering this guy's questions. And he's, he's a religious man, and I'm, I must have given him the gospel 30 times, and it's still just like right over his head, and I'm thinking, I am peeing up a rope. That's what I'm doing with my life. I'm just peeing up a rope. I keep under my body. What my body wants to do is say, you know what, I got other things to do. Instead of pouring hours and hours and hours in a Bible study with this guy, I could be watching my show. That's what, my, that's what the flesh wants to do. You see where I'm going with this? Keep under your body, bring it into subjection. You don't have to get what you want. You, you can say no to yourself. Preach the gospel. It was like on round, whatever it was, 48 or what, no, it wasn't quite that bad. I, I, I bet you I gave him the gospel at least 20 times before it clicked. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by, that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Okay, now let's, just real quick, let's talk about the tree of life. Uh, just, some, just some other information that you wanna have, that you wanna understand as a Bible student. The access to the tree of life was lost in the first Adam's rebellion and sin, right? So when this, our sin in the first Adam cut us off from the tree of life, but it's accessible in the second Adam. So those are your blanks. This, in other words, the tree of life is realized in the person of Christ. Uh, the first Adam was made a living soul, Genesis 2, 7. And the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, was made a quickening spirit, a life-giving spirit. That's what quickening means. So now, notice the picture in Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. I have something that I desperately need in my life. It has not come. It's delayed. Oh, when will I ever be delivered? Okay, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. You see the picture? When Christ comes, so shall all Israel be saved, Romans chapter 11. You see that? So, hope deferred sickness, when the desire cometh, when the Messiah comes, it is a tree of life. And so you see that in the second coming of Jesus Christ. But you also see it in Christ coming for the church, and that's 1 Corinthians 15. When Christ comes, effectively, our faith will be made sight, and this mortal body puts on immortality, this corruptible body puts on incorruption, so much so that we get to talk trash Death is swallowed up in victory, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 and 55. So that's at the second coming of Christ for the church. Um, we have eternal life now, 
right? Our spirit is one with the Lord's spirit. Our soul is sealed by the Holy Spirit of the Lord. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. But in terms of the flesh, the reality of eternal life will be realized when Christ comes. And then I give you the references for that in um, Revelation 2.7 and Revelation 22.2. You literally see the tree of life and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. Okay, real quick, verse 31, and then we'll wrap up. Verse 31 is all about judgment. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the wicked in the sinner. Uh, you need to know this is the first of four much more Proverbs. That's what they're called, the much more Proverbs. And what's an interesting little study, and, and there's probably not enough there to, for me to, to make a big deal out of it, but there are two much less Proverbs. And it is interesting to check those out. So I give you the references there. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, not in heaven, in the earth, much more the wicked in the center. Okay, so this verse, Proverbs 11.31, ultimately will be fulfilled in the second advent when Christ comes to rule and reign on planet earth. And I give you the cross-references for that. Uh, so there is, a, there is a dispensational fulfillment of that, and that's at the millennial reign, the second advent. Now, dispensationally, you'll see the same principle at work. There is judgment and blessing in this life, in this earth, in the life of the believer. And you see that principle in Galatians chapter six. Verse seven says, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What you sow in this life is what you will reap in this life. For he that soweth to the flesh shall reap of the flesh, what? Corruption. Okay, so there's some sin being judged, right? The wages of that sin is coming on the life of the believer. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap, there it is again, life everlasting. So we see that tie into the tree of life, uh, the fruit of the righteous, the wisdom, uh, the wholesome tongue. Uh, if you sow to the Spirit, you're gonna reap of the Spirit, life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we, if we faint not. So just two principles that you can take out of that. Number one is God doesn't wait for death for all judgment to be given. Ah, my sin was judged at Calvary 2,000 years ago, past tense, it's, and it's true, it's already been done. God judged our sin at Calvary. We will be judged for our service at the judgment seat of Christ. But there is the natural judgment, it's called the wages, right? It's called the, the reaping and sowing principle, okay? There are wages to be received in the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow to the flesh, then believer, of that sowing to the flesh, you're gonna reap corruption. And so the way that principle works, you can describe it this way, much sin has the punishment built into the crime. Uh, you're gonna suffer the judgment of your sin just in the outcome of the investment, the poor investment of your life. And so be wise, so to the Spirit, amen? Uh, let's have wholesome, wise words that come out of our life because we're like that tree that's planted by rivers of water and we're delighting in the Word of God. We're meditating in the Word of God, right? The Word of Christ is dwelling in us richly and so it's not the corruption of the flesh that's being manifest, it's the fruit of the Spirit, amen? Father, thank you for your word.